everybody, it's Balls to the Wall, episode number 20. Your host here, Kenny Matthews, with my sidekick over there, my man, Billy Martin Jr. How are you doing? Um, I'm cold. It's uh, <laughs> it's 22 degrees in Arlington, Texas. I'm frozen <laughs> in my home. Yes, we are filming here at the DFW Market, and yes, we have um, a little white stuff on the roads, a little ice, a little snow, a little, little cold temperatures for us anyway. When chills in the teens and the you know maybe in the single digits tonight or tomorrow. So I know we're not used to this weather, but you know it's it's kind of nice. It, it did it did let us know that winter's around because what was just two days ago or thirty six hours ago we were wearing shorts, you know, on a shirt <laughs> and on Tuesday. And it seems like we just have one season. It's called hot. <laughs> and we'll throw in an occasional spring day into you. And then, but yes, it's kind of crazy to Metroplex. Hopefully, and with last year, you know, with all the power outs and things of that nature, hopefully we'll keep this thing calm and we'll have our power on. So, but do we do appreciate you guys listening to us on here on Balls to the Wall. And we'd love for you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube and Rumble and Anchor. And also, we'd love for you guys to like us on Facebook and Twitter. Please, we welcome all your comments on here. We'd love to have your fresh ideas. Let us know if we stink. Let us know if we're great. Write us a review. Let us know. We'd appreciate it. We'll get back to you. And let, we, always, we always embrace that because we want to bring you guys the material that you want. But I think it's pretty easy to have a couple of topics this week because, Mr. Martin, we had another thrilling two games this past weekend. I mean, if you think about it, the last six games have been separated by field goal. And this late, the playoffs, I can't think of anybody who's any more happier than the NFL office right now because those ratings are astronomical. And so next year when you get the charge, you know, these advertisers, that got significantly higher for those commercials next year just because of that. But, hey, we have to start with a place that I think you and I both didn't think was those little Bengals were going to come into Arrowhead and walk away with a big win. And especially after you're down 21 to three in that, in that game. And especially with the chiefs at the first and goal from the seven yard line, I believe it was with a 10, 12, 11 seconds left. You're thinking that the chiefs were at worst case scenario going to kick a field goal to go up. 21, you know, to go up, um, excuse me, at that time it would have been going up 14 points because the Bengals did get a drive in there. But anyhow you look at it, she spit the bet, don't get the three, then the three and out, you know, on the opening drive of the second half. And it's 18 unanswered points by Mr. Joe, Mr. Joe Burrow and the crew. And that, I, like I said, tip of the hat to them because Zach Taylor was 5-26, and 26, I believe it was. The first two years as, his, as a head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, and now he's representing AFC in the Super Bowl. That's quite a turnaround, isn't it? Well, you know, they, they may have been gals a long time. <laughs> but by God, they're freaking studs now. And uh, <laughs> so it, if, if I just said to you last week, we'd be sitting here with no goat named Brady. Yeah. No Mahomes or no Rodgers. I mean, if, if I'd have said none of those guys were going to be in this game a week ago, I mean, you'd have laughed hysterically at me, right? Yeah. There's no I, way. I would have bet money that one of those guys would have been in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's been crazy to think that the number one seeds were knocked off in the first games of the playoffs. You know, the, you know the, what we always want, home field advantage. They're no longer there. Then you've got stud quarterback in Mahomes, you know, gift wrap being able to host another ASC championship game in Arrowhead nonetheless. Against a team that fought tooth and comb just to get there the week before. Yeah. And now for Mahomes, I, I think he probably was probably one of the first sleepless nights after a football game was this past Sunday for him it had to have been I'm not going to lay all the blame on Mahomes in that game he gets a large he gets a large sizable chunk of it but I'm also blame Andy Reid on that too there I mean the play calling was horrific after they scored their first three TDs I mean they stopped running the football I mean the McKinnon guy he looked like 
I mean, he looked like Ed Podolak the other day in the first half, you know, running the ball against the Bengals. And, you know, and you messaged, you had a team dead and you allowed that rattlesnake to just kind of keep hanging out in that corner and hanging out in that corner. And you got, you got a bit pretty dang going good, man. Yep. I, I was, but it was amazing. I mean, it, it, can the Super Bowl possibly be as good as these last two weeks? I mean, I can only hope so. <laughs> and, and I was so lucky last week. I, I literally was watching the games in the same room with Roger Stallback and Drew Pearson wow. and Bill Brandt and <laughs> Doug Donnelly and, and, you know, Burton Gilliam, Norm Hitchkiss. Wow. It was yeah, it was an unbelievable cast my son and I were with. And um, there's they, some heavyweights they, right there, buddy. There's yeah. some heavyweights. I mean, they really are. And I mean, if you think about the greatness of Gil Brandt, he was instrumental in that conversion of bringing the AFL over to the you know to to the NFL at that time. I mean, he he had his he had his he had his he had his, he had his fingerprints all over that sign sealed the um, um, deal that was delivered. Um, Gil Brandt was one of the most, I say one of the most intelligent evaluators of talent was Gil Brandt for a number of years. And he was the first one to incorporate film work, you know, into that and trying to get his players involved in things. I mean, he was revolutionary going as technology would get better. He was always seen to be one step ahead. Um, you know, how many times do you keep a coach in the same spot for 20, whatever it was, 28 years or whatever it was the coach Landry was here? I mean, you know, that's a record that will never be broken. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, <laughs> you know, because normally you don't hire really young coaches that stay in one place for 30 years. You know, <laughs> it just generally doesn't happen that way. And in this day and age that we're society wants everything now. They're not going to be willing to allow you to kind of go through six and seven years of losing like the Cowboys were doing in the early sixties. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a loaded room there, Mr. Martin. That's like, oh. I would like to have brought me a little piece of paper and say, Hey guys, can you please sign here? <laughs> Think about this before Landry got his job with the Cowboys. He was an offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Do you know who the defensive coordinator was on that team? Vincent Lombardi. <laughs> How, I mean, <laughs> arguably, right, definitely two of the top five coaches in NFL history. Absolutely. Right? I mean, and, and, and can you imagine them being on the same staff? I mean. And, and talking about doing it in different styles. I mean, you're talking about different styles completely that were almost just as successful either way. You have the stoic Landry that showed zero emotion, and you had the highly animated Vincent Lombardi on the other sidelines. <laughs> but, yes, I mean, that's just unbelievable. You think about that, and you include, like, a Frank Gifford and a Johnny Unitas who played in that game, and Wade Weed Eubank, who has won two Super Bowls, who's considered a very, very, very – not maybe a Hall of Fame coach, but he's considered a pretty dang on good head coach. A lot of talent that was on that field back in the day, wasn't it? <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about Andy Reid, a little bit about this. We gave him props for having taken two teams to four straight, you know, conference championship games, which I think is another feat that will be very hard to duplicate. But you know what he is now? He's now two and six in those games. He's lost six of those games. He's lost five of those games at home. So, you know, there is some chink still in the armor on that. You know, getting to that game, he's not really busted through enough to maybe garner being in that Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry range. Yeah, he's going to be in that Canton Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Fame coach, but there's also that little upstairs room, that VIP room. At the, you know, <laughs> I don't think Andy Reid's going to be stepping in there. Unless Mahomes and him stick around for a few more years together, he gets a couple more of those bad boys. That was a horrifically called 
football game. You took unnecessary chances by not getting the three. You should have just kicked the field goal knowing you get the, you know, the first drive in the second half. You get a three or a seven on that first drive in the second half. That game is over. We're not talking about the coolness of, Je of Mr. Burrow and how the Bengals were able to come back at that point in time because that makes them completely one-dimensional. What it did is it kept them in the game and, can't, and then Cincinnati was able to run the football. And let me tell you something, there's another star in the making. And that's Mr. Burrow, Mr. Burrow over there in Cincinnati. If that guy gets an offensive line, Billy Martin Jr., we're going to be talking about him maybe being up there in Canton one day because yeah. he's that good. He's that good. I, I, wonder if he'll have to, I wonder if he'll have to lobby for himself to get in like he did to get to LSU. You know, I mean, that's such a great story. And, and it's something every kid needs to hear because he wasn't that guy, you know. He, he, he had to lobby and send his own film and, and, and get them to take him seriously. And I ah, just kind of helped them win it all. And looks like he's not <laughs> trying to do that in the NFL. So, yeah, he's trying to get another ring, man, that national championship football ring he's got. Now he's trying to go and put that Super Bowl ring on there. And all this and a graduating class hasn't passed yet <laughs> during this time yet. So, I mean, that's pretty good success. And let's, you know, let's not forget, here's a guy that came off an ACL injury at the end of last year. You know, there was a lot of doubts that he was going to be able to be ready for training camp, being wow. able to be ready coming up to the season. There was, I mean, he didn't play any preseason games. So, you know, all that, we got to get our wide receivers timing and the quarterback's got to be out there in the offseason. This is, this is crucial for the offense. I'm not hearing that anymore, buddy. Because <laughs> here's a guy that didn't do any of that last year. And now he's a and in three days he's gonna be in SoFi trying to get the Bengals their first Super Bowl championship. Yeah, you know, he's a pretty special guy, no question. Well, and so the guy that's gonna be lined up against him, you know. Yeah. The the guy you and I kind of had our doubts about a little bit. Yes, right? we did. Um, yes, we did. And I'll eat some of that crow. <laughs> I guess he showed why we're not NFL coaches or or, uh, or making player personnel decisions. Uh, but Ali, I, I obviously I, I'm 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 kind of cheering for him. He's the Dallas guy, and knowing that Clayton Kershaw is his best friend and that his first couple of postseason experiences were not very good. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, I really, I really kind of want him to get that, that monkey off his back right out of the gate almost. And I have a feeling we're going to see Mr. Rowe, uh, a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. um, we don't know how many more opportunities Mr. Stafford has. You know, I mean, he's right. He's, he's, not, he's, he's not old, but he's he's an he's old thirty-three, I would say, just for the what is it, thirteen years, twelve years he's been in the you know in the show. So it's you know that's you know that's a long time to be in a show. It's not unless he's Brady, where his he gets better. It seems as the age comes on. You know, I'm not gonna keep banking on that. That's the norm going forward. But you know, he you know. They, the one thing about Stafford you got to give him credit for is that I said he knew that all the pressure was on him before the playoffs started. Well, I guess the last, you know, especially after losing the last regular season game to San Francisco, you know, that allowed San Francisco to stay in the playoffs. He knew that he was brought there for one reason and one reason only, and that was to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, you know, golf took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Now he lost. But as it, you know, Ness is just saying – Golf, we don't think you can win us a Super Bowl. We think that Stafford guy can. And so that's why we want him here. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him to play. And he's very fortunate that Mr. Tart doesn't have any hands for the 49ers because I don't think that could have been an any easier interception. And for him to drop that ball, I mean, uh, God. I, I I was I was amazed that it really went through his hands that much, 
it wasn't reminiscent of a Jackie Smith to me because, you know, Jackie Smith went down to the ground a little bit, you know, with yeah. all that. But I'm like, you have to hate that kid, Billy. Oh, <laughs> you God. have to make that. And he looked up. Your- I mean, you see it. He looked up like he thought he was going to get hit or something. I don't know, but that, that, you're right. That that play right there puts him in that category. It's kind of interesting. You know, golf was from Marin County, which which in in the Bay Area is pretty much the Highland Park gotcha. of that area. I mean, that's the wealthiest area in you know. In, in the Bay Area, probably, and it just hit me. So you've got Stafford from Highland Park and, and, <laughs> and they, they, if, they, if they miss on this one, maybe they need to, you know, get somebody from a little bit rougher neighborhood. Andy, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to say, I think that, I think that maybe Stafford, the Rams kind of won in spite of their coach again. I mean, I said that about Andy Reid just a few moments ago. But I thought McVay called a horrific game um, that Saturday. I mean, that Sunday, that set the, the second Sunday game there. And even Aikman during the broadcast kept saying, why is he chasing things? Why, you know, on the challenge calls? Why is he, you know, he played not to lose to me, you know, or he was scared. And I don't get why. He's one of the most, well, what do you say, aggressive you know, play calling type head coaches in the league. And he got very, very, very conservative in that game to me. And I didn't understand why. Um, he, you know, he did not run the football hardly at all in the second half for any kind of success. I mean, he put a lot of pressure. He put, he put Stafford in a tough spot, I thought, numerous times. And I don't want for the love of me, the week before, that Rams kicker, he, he couldn't hit it from 47 yards. And he tries the 57 yard that I don't even know if it got to the pylon. You know, I'm going. So that gave the 49ers first and 10, you know, from their 43 yard line. They get three points there. I'm thinking just pump the football. 49ers haven't been able to move the ball up and down the field. Go up against your defense. I, I just, I, he was, to me, I thought he was very shaky in calling the game. And I think he, he was lucky that his, team bailed him out because I think he would be getting the noose around the net this week if the Rams would have lost that football game last Sunday. Well, here's a new flash. Nobody knows this. You're just hearing this on Balls to the Wall, but uh, Tom Brady is going to come out of retirement and he's going to sign with the 49ers. And (laughs) and, That would be a great story, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the team he always wanted to play for in the beginning anyway would have yeah. been the 49ers. And you don't think the 49ers wouldn't mortgage their future right now to have old Mr. 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 T12 come over there and play next year in 49er land? Sure. I mean, if you thought about it, really, let him and Jimmy G both play some. I mean, <laughs> let him – Give him a lot of rest every time they get a big lead, you know. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did bring up Mr. Brady. I do want to say, hey guys, we appreciate if you guys subscribe to us on YouTube and Rumble and like us on our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate that. And please welcome any comments going forward. As my Billy Martin Jr. just said, the GOAT. Is he gonna retire? I had it. We had eulogies all day Saturday and Sunday on ESPN that he was retired. He comes out on Monday and says, "No, nah, I'm gonna think about it." Twelve hours later, he's got a 700 word retirement speech laid out on Instagram with two omissions. He doesn't mention the New England Patriots or Mr. Belichick in the first one. <laughs> That's because the only reason he won those. First five Super Bowls or were because of Belichick system, not because he was any good. <laughs> Does come back later and mentions things to the New England Patriots band, people, and all that. You know, you know, you spend 20 years in a place lining up behind center. You would think that that might have been the first thing on your mind in your retirement <laughs> statement. <laughs> 
but felt I felt that a little odd when I was coming, you know, when I went to work on Tuesday, but that's all right. But again, we're talking about the greatest player to ever suit up behind the center is Tom Brady. I I hear a lot of talk of Joe Montana. Joe Montana means an awful lot to me. I mean, I, he was in our he was in our wheelhouse of sports. You know, you and I growing up, Absolutely. we saw his greatness on the college level. We saw and how his many greatness. times did you say we're never going to see another yes guy no, that good? I mean that, but we saw one. And I mean, I'm was I am a Michigan fan. I hated the fact when he was back there with um oh, I can't think of his name that he was splitting time with the baseball player. Oh gosh, I can't think of his name now. But you know, he was splitting time with him. Brady would come off the bench, pull his hand, we pull away and win the game. I'm like, Tom Brady needs to start the game over there from beginning to end and just be done with it. Um, but he took a he took a franchise that, yes, you know, the Patriots had a couple moments. They got to the Super Bowl in 85. They played the Raiders in an extremely great playoff game in the, in the early 70s out at Oakland and lost by lost late in that game. But he, if you talk New England Patriots football and you don't start with Tom Brady, you got issues because he is the face of that franchise and there will never be anybody. It's, he's the Ted Williams of the Patriots. <laughs> There's no question well, now going forward. I'm, I mean, he's probably better than Ted. I mean, yeah. And, and, and you and I both love Ted. There's, there's Ted's picture right over your left shoulder. I guess yes, right. <laughs> here's here's my picture of Ted. <laughs> I got I've got mine right here. Excellent, so, excellent. <laughs> the best stroke ever in baseball. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Cooley said to me one day. We were having breakfast. He, he and my father were mortal enemies, right? Because the Yankee read. Red Sox rival was so real back then. But they had a mutual friend, a guy named Bill Reedy. He was actually in the car accident with my father. And Bill and Ted were friends. And he kept saying to Ted, you'd have loved Billy Martin. He'd have been your best friend if y'all had been on the same team. But Ted's like, I hate that little Vega. What are you talking about? Because (laughs) my father used to mess with him. used to start fights with him, Mm -hmm. you know, because he knew they got a fight and they – and they both got kicked out of the game. Dad was helping his team, right? And so, so, so he finally one day said, all right, who was your best, who was your favorite player on the Yankees? Who was your best friend on the Yankees? Well, Mickey Mantle, of course. The other guy behind your right shoulder. Um, and, and Bill Reedy looked at him and said, okay, and who was, Billy, who was Mickey Mantle's best friend in life? And William said, oh, wow, you got me there. Billy Martin. And he said, yeah. And he said, all right, set it up. Let's have a drink one night. And they did. And they really did hit it off. And, you know, and and Ted's such an amazing guy. I mean, probably the best vision in baseball history. Right. Um, He's also fishing hall of fame because he could see under the water better than the other guys. He was an amazing fighter pilot. Because his vision. Yeah. Oh yeah, but so the guy takes me to breakfast and 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 we're 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 talking about this and that, and he knew I was an agent, and he said to me, "I wish I'd had known about the weights. I would I would have crushed my wrists and forearms." Right. And I looked at him funny. I I said, "For more power, kind of because like." You know, who not Ted had lots of people. Oh, hell no, I had plenty of power so I could stop my swing when I was fooled. Hmm. Yeah. And and you think about back then, they 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 swung way heavier bats too. Yeah, 40 so, <laughs> Yeah, so you're in mid swing and you realize, oh crap, it's a changeup. You're, you're you're done, through. you're through, you're done, yeah. I didn't think about that, but stopping the stopping on the well, heck, Ted Williams lost what four years of his prime? Yeah, you know, four years of his prime, you know, to go fly plant fire pallets, you know, <laughs> airplanes. Yeah, to go fight for our country, right? Country. Didn't think any Bob Feller the same way. 
you know, yeah, tips there. There's there, definitely a toast to that. I mean, you know, if you're if you're talking about somebody just knowing how to hit the baseball and what pitches to swing at and where to do, put the bat and the ball, there's there's been nobody better than that. You know, his with book power, still with power, with power, yeah, absolutely. And his book's still the best. It's called The Science of Hitting, and you know they they call it launch angle now, but in his book, he talks about the slight upswing, mm-hmm. not a level swing, not swinging down, mm-hmm. because his point is you want your swing path to match the same path of the baseball coming down the hill from the pitcher. Right. So if it's coming down on this path and your swing path is the same, you're going to be in the zone with it longer as opposed to a level swing or a downswing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it makes so much sense, but before all the analytics and stuff, Ted was on it. He had it figured out, and uh, he was just—he was a—he was a gruff guy, you know. He's—he was tough, masculine, swore a little bit, you know, and he was sorely. He was sorely. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He's a little prickly. There's no question. He was—he was an acquired taste for some. There's no question. And well, after after befriending my father, and then he passed away. Dad did right. Really, not long after they became friends, Ted would take me to breakfast. That's awesome. When I'd go to spring training each year, and and uh, there's a there's a heart in that old surly dude. I promise you that right there. Oh, and just to sit there and be admired by seeing Ted Williams choking down an eggs Benedict and talking baseball with him. That's pretty dang good. Dude. That's pretty good. Day. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. <laughs> that is. But yeah, you were mentioning, uh, you know, Tom Brady, obviously everything he's done, he's got more Super Bowl wins than any franchise, you know, if that tells you anything, <laughs> you know, seven out of 10, you know, he wins one with Tampa Bay, obviously wins six in new England. And, you know, I think that when we talked about the way they lost to the Rams two weeks ago, you know, when we were th- when we even mentioned on this on the on the cast about, well, does he walk away? You know, he almost brought back another dramatic win, being down twenty-seven to three in that game. You know, in there, you know, does he come back next year and maybe not have all the pieces a little bit year older and maybe he goes out where it's a mediocre year. Tom Brady doesn't want mediocre anywhere on his record. You know, he's going out most yards and most TDs passing this year at age 44. I mean, the only person that's probably happier is George Blandon because he didn't catch him in years played. (laughs) That's the only one. Now, there's been some kickers that have lasted longer than that. But, yes, as a player, every down player, George Bland is the only one that's played longer than Tom Brady, which is unreal to me. But, yeah, that's – it's a tip of the – it's a tip of the hat to that guy's career. And as me being a Steeler fan and Ben Roethlisberger having to go up against his whole career, basically, in the AFC against Tom Brady – now he has to play second fiddle in Canton and get with Tom Brady since all the attention of being on Mr. Cool and now Mr. Roethlisberger again. But that's all right. No, I mean, it's it, – it's a, and you know what? And to tell you the other thing is, besides the scams on the football field, Tom Brady stayed out of trouble off the field. Yep. You know, and that's really hard to do to play that long in this day and age where everybody's trying to bring the famous guy down that he never got caught in that kind of minutia. That's pretty good. Now you can talk about the flake gate and all that other kind of stuff, the tuck rule and all, you know, I get I get all that. But you know, being arrested, you know, being in a fist fight or whatever, or being alleged to have been in some kind of a sexual case or whatever, didn't hear peep. Out of Mr. Cool, Mr. Tom Brady. Nope. Well, he, uh, I just, I wonder if he'll still feel this way after he goes on his postseason vacation. <laughs> you, you, you know, he does that. I mean, that's what so many of today's athletes do. As soon as the season's over, they're going to some all expense paid yep. little <laughs> vacation site and just chilling out for a week at least. Yeah. And, I bet he and Giselle go 
disappear for a while. Sure. Absolutely. And then then we'll find out if he's really retired or not, because at the end of the day, I mean, I saw a crazy stat, and, and if you guys don't know it, Kenny and I are big on crazy stats. We yes. send yes. each other crazy stat texts all the time. And, you know, that I, I think one of the ones I sent you recently was that if you took away all all 700-plus of Hank Aaron's home runs, he still had more hits than Wade Boggs, yeah. you know, and it just stuff like that. That's amazing. But Brady's postseason passing yards are are like like triple the next guy. I like 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 Big Ben's like third on the list. Yeah. yeah. But if you add Big Ben's and Peyton's, I think Peyton's number two. Yes. I think if you add theirs together, it's still it's not even close. To Brady. Unreal. I mean, yeah. he's going to have records that, like I said, he's this it, Cy Young's 511 will be here forever. Seven Super Bowls won by a starting quarterback will be here forever. I'm just going to go out on that limb and say that. <laughs> just To get to the Super Bowl seven times is one thing. You know, you're not going to go seven and oh. You know, going to the Super Bowl, that's not going to happen. So that guy's swinging at a 70% clip in the Super Bowl in 22 years. Now, one year, he didn't play because he tore his ACL in the first game. So in essence of 21 years of him starting quarterback, a third of it, he's hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. (laughs) Real. And three and three other times he gets second place. (laughs) Yeah, I mean he's left a he's left a nice book. (laughs) You know, the NFL book, NFL record book is full of his name in it. Passing yards, games played, whatever you want to go, winning championships. And you know, he deserves to go out. You know, he deserves to go out on his own terms, that's for sure. Oh, no doubt, because when were we ever going to hear again, not only about somebody that good at almost any sport, really, but it takes less pay so that you can put so that you can put a better team around me. I mean, yes, and (laughs) I love it. But but who's whose ego will allow them to do that and and control of your agent? To tell your agent, I'm not going to get max money, even though I deserve max money. I'm saying what? What? (laughs) You know, do you want to represent me? If you do, I'm going to tell you what I want. And you just sign on the line and take your cut. (laughs) And and hey, and that's the truth. At the end of the day, right, we work for the client. I'll, I'll get these kids when they're young and you know, my, my fourth round Yankee and I were on the phone today and every other word, yes, sir. All right, sir. I'm like, you know, Coop, you don't have to call me, sir. I work for you. you yes, know? yes, exactly. <laughs> I know I can't help it. It's all right. But my all-time hero as an agent was a man by the name of Bob Wolf. Yes. Okay. He, he was the last mega super agent in my mind. He, he had Larry Bird and uh, Wayne Gretzky and Doug Flutie and you know he he, he had Dr. J, Dr. Right? J. And, and he got Dr. J the biggest contract in NBA history at the time but of course like it works in all sports a year later a couple other guys got even more than Dr. J did and so he was mad and he said said, look, Bob, I want to renegotiate because I'm the best player in the NBA. Why are these guys making more money than me? And he said, you're right, you are. And we got two more years on this deal. And when you're a free agent again, I give you my word, not only will you be the highest paid player in the game again, but I'll make, I'll make sure in the negotiations we make up for these last two years in your salary. But but we agreed to this deal. We signed and shook hands and, and we got to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Nope. 
I, that's not what I want to do. I'm the best player. I want the best pay. <laughs> and Bob Wolf walked away from that paycheck. Now you think about that. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I have values and morals, and, but I need the money a lot more than Bob Wolf evidently did because I'm sorry. If that were me, I'd call the Sixers up and I'd say, guys, my client's being a jerk. You know, I know we, we negotiated in good faith and I know we did all this stuff together, but, you know, he's just, this is what he wants me to do. I don't feel good about it, but here I am. I work for him. What's, can we open up the lines of communication on a new deal? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what can we do to get him a penny more than those other two guys? Can we add another year to the deal? Can we? That's tough, you know, that's, but that's, you know, hey, that's, I think you get rewarded for things of that nature in life anyway, you know, down the road, you know, maybe it's a setback at the time, but if he's doing the right thing at the time, at the right time, you know, for him dealing with his own fortitude that he is, I mean, if he thought he was going to be less of a person by going up to the Sixers and saying, hey, listen, you know, renegotiate this deal, props to him, props yeah. to him, you know. No, I that's probably I mean, that's one of the main reasons. It's one of the reasons he's one of my heroes because he had that much integrity yep. that he just couldn't do it. He said, Julius, Can't do we, it. we made our agreement. We shook their hand. We signed our names to that piece of paper. If, uh, and another thing he said to him was, if you'd have struggled this year, if you'd have gotten injured, they were going to continue paying you at that rate. Yeah. You know, and Apple so. don't understand that, do they? They don't oh, understand no. that. They don't understand that it. it's a two-way straight. Like, okay, I'm playing above my contract level. What about when you're playing below your contract level? Are you going to give some of that money back? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, oh, I stunk this year. Only bet at 210, you know, there. Here's a tenth of my salary back. No. Nobody's lining up on that, but boy, if you're 10, 15 points above what you're supposed to have been, show me that money now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll play this contract. <laughs> and speaking of contracts, Tom Brady, this is the one last point I want to make. He was a six-round draft pick. So the Patriots got four years of a rookie contract as a six-round draft pick for this guy. <laughs> so they got the Brady discount all those years. And then they wow. didn't have to give him a bunch of money in the beginning. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> I forgot that. It's unreal. Think about all the quarterbacks that come into this league or signing those major rookie contracts and just bombing out of the league left and right. And here comes Tom Brady, basically almost on a free agent level contract-wise, and the Patriots had that at the beginning of it all. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. It's major props. It's, it's a great story, and it's going to be – it's it'll be a wonderful book one day if Brady will ever sit down and give us, you know, him. He's, he, he, he can be a little private, you know, to say the least. So I love for a book, a tell-all book from him. I think oh, it's so I can't so wait to hear his story about what went down all the time in New England. <laughs> yes, I would love to really know how he felt about his head coach all those years. I really would. Uh -huh. Or, you know, or just going through the quarterback battle with Drew Bledsoe. You know, going through that at the beginning, not getting on the field when we all know Tom Brady thinks he's the best player on the football field every time he gets on the football field. Sitting back and having to wait, your, you know, pine your time, as they say back then. I would love to know that. And, and or just the other times when he didn't think he was going to get a contract done in New England. You know, what were those days like? You know, maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago. Who was he thinking about? Was he ever thinking about being a 49er going back home? Now, I'd love just to tell all book like that because, man, I I probably wouldn't set it down. Yeah. <laughs> probably right. wouldn't. Yeah. 
And my last subject here, we'll go briefly on it. I know we've gone a little long here is, man, we've got to mention because I don't want another week to go by and maybe we can go into more details next week so we don't have football this week. We've got to bring up what Mr. Flores has done to the National Football League with this lawsuit against all teams and <laughs> general managers. <laughs> I, I mean, equipment managers, <laughs> you know, cust custodian, <laughs> I mean, parking attendants. I mean, this guy has gone off on some radical, to say the least, rants about, you know, obviously about him having to lose football games, you know, the not hiring of enough black coaches in the National Football League, being offered um, from tampering to get a certain quarterback to come to his school with an owner. I mean, we all kind of know all of the just to it over there. And I know you and I were talking a little off camera here, Billy. I just hope the guy is right. Because if he's not right, <laughs> there's not a basement big enough for him to hide in if we find out all any of these allegations are not true. He's he's done in the NFL. I mean, regardless, he he so <laughs> it you know, sham interviews, he, he called a lot of them. And is it to me it's either gotta be one end of the spectrum or the other. He either knew he didn't have a shot at any of those jobs and just figured, you know, I'm done in the NFL. I'm going to play this card and, and call it all a sham and, and, and see if I can get him to settle and, and walk away with some money because I'm done in the NFL because otherwise <laughs> he better have a ton of evidence. And because it's just, it's just, it's just so hard for me to believe that that's going on in the NFL. I mean, but you know, what, what do we know? It's just, but why would somebody that wants to work there sue them? I mean, it, it's crazy. He's done. He's absolutely <laughs> done. I mean, you know, no pun intended. He's blackballed now. Hey. No, question. <laughs> no question now. <laughs> and as you and I said, I don't even know if he could coach on the college level now because, you know, these Maybe NFL right. suits, any suit against the NFL lasts for can last for decades. Ask Al Ooh. Davis and the Raiders. You know, this is not a, well, this will be settled next August type deal, dude. I mean, it's going to be years upon years of going through stuff and, building up the case and deciding to go this one way or another, you know, there's no way that there's any NFL owner is going to hire this guy. I mean, it just, you, they're listed in a suit. It's almost, it's almost like hashtag me too stuff. I mean, yeah. I'd be afraid. I would be afraid to talk to him professionally without having the recorder on, on my camera. Absolutely. On my phone, you know, because I don't want him to say that I did something like that to him or, and, you know, and I don't mean to say he's crying wolf because we don't know, we don't but, but it's his, his life work is getting to the NFL and he just ended it. It's over. He even did it. Even Eddie wins. Did good job this year. He did a good job this year. So somebody probably would have hired him. Not this year, probably next year. You know, you go be a coordinator somewhere this year. You're probably right back there in the loop, like the McDaniels and all those other kind of guys. He just basically said, guns are blazing. I'm out the door, dude, and I'm not missing anything. <laughs> you know? I mean, and yeah. he's, he's the only person. That, uh, just think about this. This time last week, A.B. was enemy number one in the NFL. Well, yeah. <laughs> A.B., Antonio Brown now is number two, and it's a big difference between those two now on that Absolutely. list, man. Antonio <laughs> who? I mean, yeah, that's uh, – I, I don't know. I just wonder what we're going to find out yeah. about this. Did did he do something terrible? Did he, did he <clears throat> you know – say something he shouldn't have to one of the secretaries at one of these interviews. And, and he heard that she was going to say something. So, boom, he, he blew up. I don't know. I, I, 
It just doesn't feel right to me. Why would you do that if you wanted to continue working in that environment? Every bridge, every avenue has been torched. <laughs> I mean, torched. <laughs> that guy smells like gasoline right now because he burned everything that he could have done. And the only vindication he gets is of what he's saying is true. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's really it. I mean, yeah, there'll be some kind of monetary in down the line on that, whatever. I get that part of it. But right now, it's all about just vindication for him. I mean, well, and you know, and they're not going to settle on something like this because that that would imply that they're guilty. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't. I mean, he drew the line in the sand big time, man. And he made sure, okay, just – Okay, did you see that line I just drew? Well, I'm drawing another one to make sure you know I'm drawing this yeah. line. <laughs> because that's the way it is now. I mean, there is no circling the wagons. There's no circling back. There's no side interest in there now, buddy. You're on the outside in, and the only way you're going to get ever back in is if, you're, if you, what your statement's been proven in a court of law in a court of law and by a jury in a court of law or by a Supreme Court, because it's not going to stop at the lower court level. It's not. I mean, this will get appealed up, up and down. I mean, he's going to, we need to take the before picture of Mr. Flores now, and we need to take the picture after all this is over, because there's going to be a little stress in the face. There's going to be a few more wrinkles in the forehead. There's going to be a few less hairs on the top of the head. And it's going to be great. There's no question. No, it's this. This is going to be that book I want to read too because yes, oh uh, man. <laughs> I just and I hate to say I don't believe him because I don't know him, but it's just it's hard for me to believe anybody would do that. Right. With when you're just burning every bridge in that like. You know, he, he's got to know his chances of NFL work, gone. Probably probably NCAA, gone. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I, I mean, it takes, it, to me, it has to, there has to be some legit, there has to be some logistics of this that are true. It has, has to. It has to be some of it legit because, like you said, it's too hard to believe that, Owners would come to you personally and say, please tank football games so we can get a better draft pick. And here's 100K for every game you lose down the stretch. Man, that's, you know, that's pretty damning, you know, or for an owner to come and say, hey, there's going to be this quarterback that's going to be out here in this bay at a certain time on my yacht. I'd like you to be on the yacht with me, even though that's completely against the NFL rules to be tampering with somebody under contract and yep. your owner is going to be in the middle of all that. I mean, I, that's a lot of risk. <laughs> a lot of risk. <laughs> a lot of that's hard to swallow too, but I will say this as an agent, I'm a baseball agent, right? And I've represented a football player. Um, Actually got reached out to one by your alma mater recently too that I may be trying to help it. If nothing else, hook up with the right guy. But um, football agents all break the rules. I mean, they buy their guys lunch, dinner, and stuff like that. They help them get loans. They do things that we don't do in baseball. And it's a different set of rules. I mean, in baseball, we don't want a kid to lose his academic eligibility. Because, because I don't want him to sign if the time's not right, if he's not mature enough, if it's not enough money for, for him to walk away from school yet. Um, you know, I want it to be right for so many reasons. And um, But the NFL and football, if a kid loses his academic eligibility, well, then he has to declare for the draft. And... So they don't have the same leverage of being able to go back and stuff like, like a baseball player does. And it's, it's a nice thing, but I considered hanging a shingle with many NFL agents 
over the years, but because of that, it always scared me off. It's just like, I don't want to be associated with the, with the rule breaking and stuff, you know, all, all I've got's my word that I can hold on to. And um, so, God, this one just flies all over me. I, I may want to read this book more than Brady's, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I really would because if there's any kind of a journal or a list of events and a timeline of all this going through, man, you talk about a smoking gun. If there is is any kind of phone messages, text messages, whatever you call that backs up any of this, I mean, that is cloak and dagger, man. That is deep throat-esque of the 19 late 60s and 70s, man, Watergate. And I would love, love to see it. I mean, you know, is is there anybody going to say I am innocent? You know, is, is there going to be a sign off? You know, I don't know if there is, but man, whew, it's intriguing. It's got the hair on my arms kind of sticking up a little bit because it's, as we say around here, those are some hot sports opinions that he threw out, man, in the last few days, man. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Well, hey, guys, we appreciate you listening to us. As always, my it's my finest hour of the week to be able to talk to my man Billy Martin Jr. It's always a pleasure. Love doing this balls on the wall episode with you. Mm-hmm. I love talking off camera with you. I, you know how my appreciation for your dad is deep and sincere. Love them as a guy. As one, I was, I was, I was a fan of his well before it became chic. Uh, talk about Billy Martin's antics <laughs> <laughs> and. He was a Yankee skipper a few times, so <laughs> love that too. Uh, but anyhow, we do appreciate you listening to us, guys. We'll be back next week, hopefully with a thawed-out DFW Metroplex by then. We'll just have, you know, <laughs> we pray. Hope we'll still have electricity this time tomorrow. But again, appreciate you guys subscribe to us on YouTube and on Rumble and check us out on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate that. Billy, always a pleasure. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Look forward to it, my friend. All righty.